Well, hello and welcome to Faith Life 365. This is episode number 37. If you've missed past episodes, go back and get caught up. This is number two in a series, so uh, you can go to www.faithlife365.org and you can look at the video channels, the blog, audio, uh, podcast. So now in this episode, we're going to continue talking about the topic of religion or word of God. This is part two. Let's let's say a prayer and get started. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you so much, Father, for all of your blessings in our life. Father, we thank you for the ability to study and read your word and, and to hear your voice. Open our eyes now, Father, that we may see in our ears, that we may hear. Father, transform us by the renewing of our minds. Give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding now as we hear and study your word, Father. Lord God, teach us to walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right. Now, in episode 36, I had asked several questions and possibly proposed some different views or lines of thought for some of you, or I might have upset some of you with the views or lines of thought that that was thrown out there, please don't just scoff and automatically shut me down if what I'm saying doesn't line up with what you've been taught your whole life. Hear me out on this. Uh, Do not, I say again, do not take my word or any man's word for anything. Read the word of God for yourself. Pray and seek answers from God. He is faithful and just to answer your prayers and questions. But but just because you've been taught or told to believe a certain way, that doesn't mean that that's necessarily right either. If you've never gone before God and sought him directly over something that you've been taught maybe your whole life, you might be 80, 90 years old, and you've been taught something your whole life, but you've never sought God's face on it. You've never gone to his word first. That's just what your religion, your denomination taught you. Study God's word and seek his face. You have to have a personal walk with God. You have to renew your mind. You have to transform. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind in his word. So as Christians, are we living our lives based on religion or by the word of God? So how do you see yourself before God? Do you see yourself worthy or unworthy? See, oftentimes religion tells us we're unworthy. And we just talked about this a little in the last episode and and some before that. But what does the Word of God tell us? Now, I don't want you to misunderstand in any way what I'm saying as we discuss this. In the flesh, no man is worthy before God. We have all sinned and fallen short. But as Christians, in the Spirit, we have been made to be worthy before God. So, I believe that in order for us as Christians to fully realize our worthiness before God, we first must understand what happened when we were born again and made to be a new creature uh, or a new creation. Now, after someone accepts Jesus and receives eternal life, their outward appearance doesn't change. They look just like they did before. They have the same hairstyle, the same eye color, same nose, and so on. If they were skinny, they're still skinny. If they were fat, they're still fat. Some people, they don't immediately feel any different either. 
So what changed? How are we a new creature, a new creation? So to answer this, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 through 17, English Standard Version. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now what did God mean by, in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die? Genesis 5.5 tells us that Adam's flesh and blood body died at the age of 930 years old. So it would appear that his flesh and blood body didn't literally die the day he partook of the forbidden fruit. Now, 2 Peter 3.8 tells us that a day is as a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is as a day. So by God's standard in that scripture, Adam's flesh and blood body did die within a day. However, Adam's spirit died in the sense that it was separated from God the day, and I believe the instant, that he partook of the fruit from the forbidden tree of knowledge of good and evil. Genesis chapter 3, uh, verses 6 through 7 tell us that Eve eat the fruit of the forbidden tree and gave some of the fruit to Adam who also eat and then their eyes were open and they knew that they were naked. Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 8 of the King James for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God when Adam and Eve eat of the forbidden fruit they sinned against God their spirit was severed from God, or it died to him. Their eyes were opened to the flesh, to carnality. At, at this point, they became carnal-minded and took on a sinful nature. Now, the word carnal in Greek simply means flesh or of the flesh. It means you're walking by your five senses and not by the Spirit of God. Now, prior to eating the forbidden fruit and sinning against God, Adam and Eve were alive in spirit and in communion with the Spirit of God. They were guided by God's Spirit and in fellowship with God. They were not carnal-minded or led by their, their fleshly senses. They had no knowledge or sense of sin or, or being naked or even what that, that meant. Genesis 2 and verse 25 says that they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They had no sin consciousness. See, once they disobeyed God, their spirit man died to God and was severed from God. They gave up the authority God had given them in the earth and turned it over to Satan. They now had a sin nature. Their spirit did not cease to exist. It took on uh, a sin nature and became dead to God. It became carnal after the flesh. Because of this, they were considered dead. Their bodies would age and die and they would return to the dust of the earth. John chapter 6, verse 63, uh, the Brian literal translation, Jesus said, it is the spirit giving life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Adam and Eve's spirit 
gave them eternal life in God as long as it was righteous and without sin. As soon as they allowed sin to enter in, they became unrighteous and their spirit was condemned and severed from God. God can have no part of unrighteousness or sin. They were given over to a carnal mind, a mind of the flesh without God and condemned to live under the curse. And when I say without God, I mean their spirit and God's spirit were no longer in fellowship, in communion. And the scriptures tell us that God uh, made Adam and Eve clothing from animal skins and that Cain and Abel brought offerings to God. So we know that God still loved them. He communicated with them, but it was, it was a much different relationship. It was not in the spirit. Romans uh, chapter 5 and verse 12 of the English Standard Version. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans chapter 5 verses 18 through 21, English Standard. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by... The one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, Religion often tells us that it's, it's our personal sins that condemn us to death and hell. It's our fault, and, and that because we are sinners, God has condemned us to hell. But see, I want to submit to you that we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are first sinners. If, if you are taught the word of God from the time you leave the womb and you live the most holy life imaginable, sheltered from the world, you're still a sinner and face death and judgment unless you accept and believe in your heart that Jesus died for our sins, that God raised him from the dead, and you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. See, the word of God clearly tells us that one trespass led to condemnation for all men. It tells us that by one man's disobedience, we were all made sinners. You are born into sin with a sinful nature, meaning your spirit has a sinful nature and is dead to God. Your personal sins can further condemn you, but it was Adam's sin that sentenced us all to death. So you can be the best sinner or the worst sinner. It does not really matter. Either way, you are born a sinner and condemned to hell because of Adam's transgression. It's only by the grace of God and our faith in Jesus that we can be saved and receive eternal life. Now, having said this, I'm not saying young children are condemned to hell if they die before receiving Christ. Additionally, uh, the word provides provisions for those who, who never hear of Jesus. I'm not going to get into this topic here, but you have to be of responsible age to be held accountable for sin and the Holy Spirit will speak to every heart. That's, that's, that's in the word. Now we're jump back into the topic here. <clears throat> we are created as spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit 
was made to communicate and to fellowship with God in the spirit realm. We talked about this back in episode 17. The word soul in the body is translated from the word suke. Uh, suke is defined by Thayer's Greek lexicon as three, the soul, the seed of the feelings, desires, affections, aversions, our heart, soul, etc., Uh, The human soul, insofar as it is constituted, that by the right use of the aids offered it by God, it can attain its highest end and secure eternal blessedness, the soul regarded as a moral being uh, designed for everlasting life. The soul as an essence which differs from the body and is not dissolved by death, distinguished from other parts of the body. Our soul, or our suke, is not of the flesh and does not die with the flesh body. It is who we are as a person. This may be the simplest way of looking at it. It's our mind, our, our, our emotions, our desires, our affections, our character. It is who we are as a human. It's our humanity. Uh, and far too often, we allow who we are or who we become as a person to be solely developed and dominated uh, through and by our five senses, our carnality. Our spirit is not of the flesh also. When looking at the definition uh, of the word spirit, it's difficult to distinguish the difference between the soul and the spirit. Now, the word spirit in the New Testament is translated from the Greek word pneuma. And uh, pneuma, the simple definition of pneuma is wind or spirit. And this word is used 385 times in the New Testament, and based on where it's used, it can have a different meaning. And as we are looking at the spirit of man here and how that relates to being born again, I will use the definition of the word pneuma in Thayer's Greek lexicon as given in reference to its use in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and the English version of that verse states, now may God or now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and Thayer's Greek lexicon in reference to 1 Thessalonians 5.23 states, Numa, spirit, is the rational part of man, the power of perceiving and grasping divine and eternal things and upon which the spirit of God exerts its influence. Luther says Numa is the highest and noblest part of man, which qualifies him to lay hold of incomprehensible, invisible, eternal things. In short, it is the house where faith and God's word are at home. Now, Dake's annotated reference Bible, page 1042, defines Numa or spirit like this. The primary meaning is invisible force. The spirit of man is the intellect, will, mind, conscience, and other invisible faculties that make him a free moral agent and a rational being. Both the soul and spirit of man are immortal. They are so closely related that it's hard to distinguish the finest details of difference between them. But there is a difference. This is clear from 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 and Hebrews 4 and 12. In general, we can say that the spirit is that which knows. 1 Corinthians 2.11, and the soul is that which feels. Uh, Both make the inner man which leaves the body at death. Now, end of quote from Dakes. 
Uh, Hebrews 4.12, which was referred to, says in the New Living Translation, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. 1 Corinthians 2.11-12, New Living Translation. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Hmm, that's pretty awesome. But clearly, we can see that God's word draws a distinction between the spirit and the soul. Unlike every other creature on earth, humans are born with a spirit. Animals have souls, but not spirits. We are created in the likeness of God, and God is a spirit. Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 27. This is the English Standard Version. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. John uh, chapter 4, verse 23 through 24, New Living Translation. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. See now, because of Adam's sin, our spirit is born in a sinful nature. We're cut off from God. Yet God created man so that our spirit would be in communication with him, in communion with him, and and would and he would be our, our guiding light. <clears throat> we must worship him in spirit and in truth. But we can't worship him in spirit and in truth with a spirit that's cut off from God. See, if our spirit is cut off from God, then what guides us? Our spirit, our soul, and flesh are all walking in carnality. If the spirit isn't being led by God and the Holy Spirit, that leaves nothing but a carnal, sinful spirit to bring our soul and flesh in line to worship God, and that can't happen. A house divided against itself will fall, but if, if there's no way we can, we can worship God if if our soul and our, our spirit and our flesh are all in carnality. However, if our spirit is renewed in Christ Jesus and made to be a new creature, uh, we come into fellowship with God as he intended. And when this happens, we're no longer guided by carnal, sinful spirit, but instead we're guided by a new created spirit in fellowship with God. See, once we begin to renew our minds with the word of God, then our spirit and soul will command the carnal flesh body, and we will then be able to worship God in spirit and in truth. But what does it mean to become a new creature, to be born again and to receive a new spirit? Well, E.W. Kenyon explains it like this. The moment you confess Christ and acknowledge his lordship, you become a new creation. You see, in that moment, the father imparted his own nature to you. So you are now by nature a child of God. We are now in Christ, one with him, a branch of the vine, end quote. So 
our sinful nature is done away with. It's gone. It's dead. It's been replaced with God's nature. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17 of the Amplified Bible, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. So when this occurs, we're also made to be righteous. We become the righteousness of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, English Standard Version, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, understanding this all takes place in the spirit, not in the flesh. Our flesh doesn't change, it's our spirit. Christ Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin and died on the cross for our redemption so that we could be saved, born again, become a new creature, and have eternal life. And there's two parts to our redemption. There, there's the legal part, and there's a vital part. The legal part was accomplished at the cross. Jesus was made to be sin. Jesus died on the cross. He paid the price for sin once and for all. God raised him from the dead, and he became the first of the newborn, of the new creatures, new creations. And he is now seated at the right hand of God as our advocate. Now, the legal part is in the past. The legal part has been accomplished. It's been done. Under the legal part, when we confess Christ as our Lord and Savior, our sins have already been paid for. We are washed white as snow, and we receive a recreated spirit in Christ Jesus. We become a new creature, sealed by God, and the Holy Spirit is sent to live in us. Now, when we become that new creature, that means God don't see any of your past. God don't look at your past. It's washed away. You are recreated. You are now new. You have no sinful past. You're a new creation with the nature of God that God gives you that new spirit. And so we are one with Christ Jesus and a branch in the vine. The vital part is the now. The vital part uh, is, in, is, is the present and, and the future. See, everything that God is doing in us and, and all of the promises that we have under the new covenant are in the vital now let's look quickly uh, the word vital. Merriam-Webster says uh, vital, fundamentally concerned with or affecting life or living beings, tending to renew or refresh the living. But So you see, once we accept Jesus, our spirit is made to be a new creature. We receive God's nature. We then learn to allow God's nature to dominate us. This is the vital. Most of us uh, have probably spent many years allowing our sinful natures to dominate. Our flesh is not instantly changed. Our old sinful nature is removed and replaced with God's nature. But we then have to be transformed. Romans uh, 12 and 2. We'll look at that in a second. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds in the Word of God. And, I mean, many have bad habits in the flesh. 
And that will only change as their minds or our minds are renewed. And let's look at Romans 12, chapter 2 of the Amplified Bible. It says, And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. So I heard an evangelist, a Bible teacher, uh, tell a story about a young girl that was at one of his services. Uh, he said he was preaching uh, the word and as a guest speaker in a particular church. And he said there was this, this one uh, older uh, teenage girl on the front row with, with a bunch of others. And, but he said that this, this one girl just was literally just bouncing uh, in the seat with excitement about Jesus as he was, as he was preaching and, and talking. And he said that he would talk about Jesus and the word and she would just clap. She would just, just bubbling, smiling with excitement. And so he said, it just, it, it just, it just touched him. So at the end of the service, he called her up onto the platform and, and he asked her to share her excitement with Jesus. He, you know, he said, he said he had no idea who she was. And, and, uh, when she started talking, she said to the, something, uh, to the effect of Jesus is blanking. Great. He's just so blankety blank blanking. Awesome. And, and she continued praising Jesus and God, but using some very colorful language the whole time. So he said after the service, several people came up to him and asked him, it's like, why didn't you take this girl off the stage? Why didn't you stop her for using that type language? You know, I mean, we're in a church service, for goodness sakes. Well, he said, he looked at him and, and he said, well, I think God loved her testimony. He said, she loves Jesus and God with all her heart, mind, and soul. And though her language needs some work, she is pure in heart and clearly loves Jesus. I believe God loved her testimony. <laughs> I mean, what, it, that's, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, seriously, how many would agree that she should have been shut down and taken off the stage because her language was vulgar and sinful. And I mean, she was in, she was in a church service. I mean, there's people hearing this. They probably made their ears burn inside. I mean, and I'm sure some of them's head just about exploded, but I mean, think about this. This is the perfect example of a young girl who had just given her life to Jesus, who loved him with all her heart, but had yet to renew her mind. She hadn't been transformed by renewing her mind. Her spirit was made to be a new creature. She had been given God's nature. She, she just needed uh, the vital. She had, she had the legal part. She needed the vital part of renewing her mind in the word of God and growing and becoming a mature Christian. And this takes time. This don't happen. Boom. I'm a Christian. You've got it all. You've got it all. You got it all in your spirit, but the flesh, the flesh isn't there. That's what we have to transform. That's why we have to transform. See, what would have happened to her walk with God if she'd have been shut down and embarrassed and pulled off the stage by quote unquote good Christians, good preacher, good evangelist? The same young girl 
according to this evangelist, he came up, came up to him a year or so later. He had returned to the same church to preach again. She came up to him and apologized for her language at the time. She said, I had just been saved and I, I didn't know that I didn't know that wasn't how Christians talk. She said, that's just the way she knew to talk from the life she lived. She grew up on the streets. She grew up hard. She grew up. That's the way they talk. So what would have happened if she'd have been shut down and drug off and embarrassed? You know, where would her walk with, with God be? The instant you accept Jesus Christ in, into your life and confess him as Lord, your spirit's recreated. Uh, it's, you're made to be a new creature. You are given the nature of God. You are sealed by God, and the Holy Spirit comes to as, as, as an assurance the old spirit man or old nature, that's dead and gone. That God don't see that. He looks at that no longer. It's gone. It's in the past. Now, you may think about it. You may you may have sin consciousness about some of the stuff you did, and that's that's something that's another topic to be worked out. But, but that's part of transforming and renewing your mind. But at the instant, right, at that instant that you're saved, you become most worthy before God. God through Christ Jesus. It's not of yourself. It's nothing, nothing that you can do. It's by God's grace and your faith. And it can't be just your faith and it can't be just God's grace. It's, it's God's grace by your faith. You are made to be his child. You are grafted into the vine and become a branch of the vine. You are a joint heir to the kingdom of heaven. You are made to be the righteousness of of God. Now, that is all for this episode. Uh, I want you to join me in episode 38. We're going to continue to discuss the topic of religion or word of God. Uh, We're going to pick up right here where we've left off. I want to thank you for listening. May God bless you and keep you today and every day as we grow in faith and live the faith life 365 days per year.